And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in and to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to life. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. Brothers and sisters, know this with assurance This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. If you would, grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. As Brendan pointed out, and I hope all of you got to experience here, last week in this setting we had our Easter celebration. There was excitement, there was passion in this room, there was joy, there was great anticipation. I'm sure that happened throughout the world as Christians gathered and celebrated the excitement of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was a momentous time for us here. I hope that you had that experience in your own life, a momentous time of worshiping the Lord and anticipating the great things that he has done. Immediately after worship, a woman went back to her apartment, was overwhelmed with sorrow, loneliness, and sadness. The young family didn't even get out of the parking lot before their kids were fighting and there were tears and the parents were doing things that was an embarrassment to them. A young couple by that evening had gathered together and were despairing as to their marriage and the future of their marriage. The next morning, Monday morning, a young man went into work and he was overcome with despair at the inability he had to do anything about the deceitful practices of working for the company where he's working. Sometimes the Christian thing simply doesn't seem to live up with expectations. There's every right, we all had every right to expect following that worship service where we're proclaiming the kingdom of God, where we're celebrating the new life that we have in Jesus Christ, where we're overwhelmed by what God has done for us and the promise that is there. We have every right to expect that there are going to be great things, that that is going to be reflected in our lives and in our lives around us, that this community is going to be heavily impacted every day by the gospel message. And yet for most of us, within hours, we are experiencing the discouragement of 
not living up to expectations and this thing just not appearing like what we think that it should look like. If you've struggled at all with those feelings, if at all there's a sense that what you want to happen in your life, what you want to see in this community around us right here in this church, or what we want to see in the broader world as a whole, the promises that God made, the, the every expectation we have from the scriptures. If you get discouraged sometimes that you don't see that happening in your own life and beyond. Jesus spoke these three parables specifically for that reason. We're jumping back into the series in Mark. We took a couple weeks off for the holidays and other things, and now we're jumping back into our time in the Gospel of Mark, where we are looking specifically, uh, building off of Jesus' opening words as he begins his ministry in the first chapter of Mark, where he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I've pointed out that that doesn't mean that the kingdom of God is coming, or the kingdom of God is near, or the kingdom of God is close, but rather the kingdom of God is here. It is present. Why? Because the king is present. Christ presents himself as king in this world, and so his kingdom is coming with him, and his kingdom is present here in this place. And the opening chapters of the book of Mark show the great conflict that that takes place. First, the conflict with the spiritual forces, the demonic forces in this world. And then the conflict with the religious Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. Finally, even the conflict with his own parents, his own family, he struggles with. In the midst of all of that conflict, the overriding message comes that it's not enough just to be part of the crowd because Jesus demands that we interact, that we are with him personally, that we follow along with him, that we accept him as our Lord and Savior. And so you have this image, this picture of the kingdom of God coming in the universal world as a whole. And certainly that's exactly what Jesus is anticipating and, and, and wanting us to anticipate. The kingdom of God is a global picture. The kingdom of God is also a communal picture. It is right present right here. And the kingdom of God is present right here. For every believer in this room, that's where the kingdom of God is growing and developing. And the expectation is that this is going to be a marvelous, wonderful, great thing. And yet for so many of us, it is not. We don't experience that every day. Oh, there's moments, there's, there's times where we get the excitement, where we see what God is doing. But that's not the way we live every minute and every day. And into that sense of frustration, sorrow, confusion, Jesus speaks these three parables. The parable of the lamp, the parable of the seed that is scattered, and the parable of the mustard seed. And as you run through these parables, there's a consistent theme that runs across them. They're tied together in Jesus' mind and Jesus' teaching for a particular reason. And part of that reason is each one of them confront the unmet expectations that we have about the Christian life. The sorrow, the frustration, the fact that we think that something is happening, and yet all too often we don't see it nearly with the fervor 
or nearly with the power that we think the Scripture leads us to understand. I'm confronted with that frustration. Jesus speaks these three parables. Now, the parables have a number of, of tying themes together, these three parables do. And the first is this, that the kingdom of God comes so often to us in unexpected ways. It is not what we expect. There is even this counterintuitive, this ironic character to the kingdom of God. Jesus says, look, when you bring a lamp into a room, it's a darkened room, there's every expectation, no matter how dark that room gets, that lamp will ultimately light the way. And here you have a farmer, and what does he do what it look like when he sows the seed? He's ra- almost randomly, haphazardly scattering the seed around, and yet the kingdom of God grows through that randomly scattered seed. The smallest seed, the, the, the tiniest little thing that was a traditional trademark phrase for the Jewish people. If you want to talk of something wee tiny, you mentioned the mustard seed. This wee tiny thing, and yet nevertheless in a single year can grow into this massive bush, this large bush that can support all kinds of things that are going on. There's a counterintuitive character to the kingdom of God. And this is something that Christians need to grasp if they are going to embrace that work of the kingdom of God in their own lives. When I was in campus ministry, one of the things in which I, I, I sought to try to do, and I highly doubt that I was very successful, but I sought to convince my students that they could get more work done in six days a week taking a Sabbath than if they worked seven straight days. Now, we, most of us know that there's some truth to that and realize that truth, but that's counterintuitive to a student, a college student who has tests on Monday or papers due or class that they need to prepare for. What is Sunday for? Sunday is for cramming the rest of your, stu- your studies. Sunday is for working hard at it. And it's counterintuitive, but it's absolutely true that you get more accomplished in six days, committed, faithfully pursuing that commitment that we have in the Gospels to take a day for the Lord than if we just work seven straight days. That ironic, counterintuitive example is what runs through these three parables that holds them together. This picture that what you expect is not necessarily what God is doing in your life at that particular moment, at that particular time. And of course, this sets us up so wonderfully for everything about the gospel. Nothing is more ironic in our life than the fullness of the gospel message in our lives. For Jesus Christ, the way to exaltation is the spot of shame. The way to victory is death. The way that we might experience life is his crucifixion. The way in which we benefit from his grace is his humiliation. Over and over again, the gospel has this powerful understanding of the counterintuitive character, the ironic character of the gospel message that these parables capture for us 
so that when you are coming to worship and it's just one more thing on your calendar and you can't believe that you have to do this again with your family or when you're in Bible study or preparing your Bible study or having your devotions or the commitment to share the gospel to a friend or to a neighbor and there's nothing that seems like it's having any fruit whatsoever. Jesus holds forward these parables and says, look, it is from the smallest of seeds that grows the great big mustard bush. It is from the random scattering of the seeds that the harvest comes for God's people. It is by bringing the lamp into the darkest of rooms that all things are revealed and all things are shown. And into your hearts, it is supposed to be that encouragement that is coming, that though you may not see it, though you may not acknowledge it, though you may not recognize it true in your own life, that God is consistently doing wonderful things. The kingdom of God is like that seed. The kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like that lamp. It is accomplishing that which God intends. Maybe not what you don't see. The first thing that these parables trace for us is this picture, this image of the counterintuitive, the ironic character of the kingdom of God. And Jesus wants you to realize that in your own life. Secondly, there is the constant assurance in these parables that the kingdom of God is victorious. The kingdom of God will dominate. That's the point of Jesus's first parable here with the lamp. You bring the lamp into a darkened room, and some of you have had this experience where you get into a very dark place in a cave or something like that, or in a closet, and you just light one little candle, and it is unbelievable how one light will ultimately chase away all the darkness, no matter how deep the darkness, no matter how thick, no matter how overwhelming it is, one light will pave the way, one light will chase away all the darkness. Jesus phrases it in the parable, in the parable, nothing is hidden except that which will be made manifest. Nothing is secret except that which will come to light. In other words, there is an ultimate victory of the lamp. There is an ultimate victory of the kingdom of God in your life. You may not see it, as a matter of fact, it may not look that way at all. That's the p- second parable. As a farmer scatters the seed, as he, as he spreads out the seed, he doesn't know, you know, it sinks into the ground. He doesn't know how it is that that sprouts. He doesn't know what happens day after day as that seed is growing. He is passive. He is not doing anything, the farmer. And yet God is at work doing something marvelous in that seed, growing up that seed so that it will be a marvelous harvest. That tiny mustard seed, the smallest, the the tiniest thing in a Jewish mindset, the tiniest seed, and yet nevertheless ultimately will grow into this massive bush. There's no way you can expect that kind of thing, but what Jesus is assuring us here is that ultimately there will be victory of the kingdom. And this, of course, is exactly the practice that we have tied so intimately into our Christian belief, and that is the act of faith. It looks 
like a random scattering of seed. It looks like haphazard, even wasteful. And yet God knows what he's doing. It looks like barely a spark in your life. And yet there's a promise that that will come to fruition, that that will come to success, that that will come as this overwhelming experience of God's grace in your life. We are to live by faith in the promises of God. And what Jesus is saying in these parables is, no matter how unlikely it looks, God is at work. And that, it, that work that the Lord has in your life will ultimately lead to success. Now, if you've ever been frustrated about pursuing the Christian life, if you've ever been frustrated about your inability to keep regular devotional times, or if you've ever been frustrated about coming to worship where you just don't like this, that, or the other part of it, or if you've ever been frustrated about your inability to confront seriously the sin in your life that hinders you from being the person in which you want to be, and there is the constant temptation just to say, I can't do this. This is beyond me. This is something that I just won't be able to articulate. Here in these parables is the promise of ultimate victory. The kingdom of God is so often unexpected and ironic and appears in ways we don't think. Secondly, the kingdom of God ultimately will be victorious in your life. But thirdly, the kingdom of God, both in its global character and in its character right here, in our midst, and in the character of the kingdom of God that is growing in your heart. The kingdom of God is unexpected, it's victorious, but it is also fruitful and purposeful for you. In other words, there's a temptation here that we just sit and say, okay, I know sometime in the future God is going to do something great with the kingdom of God in my life. And there, there will be a time where my life will not be as it is right now. And that God will do something wonderful. And that will be great for God whenever he gets around to it. But that's not the point of this parable, these parables. When the lamp comes into the room, the way in which it is phrased, it's very clear that everything is exposed. That the one who carries the lamp is now able to see that which God intends for him to see. That which is present before us is revealed by the light. That is a benefit for us. The seed that is randomly scattered throughout the, the ground ultimately raises, and the, the word choice here, it's the grain is ripe. It is eager. It is ready to be purposefully used by the farmer. So the farmer goes and, and puts the sickle to it and harvests this overwhelming abundance, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, as Jerry had read for us. There's this abundant character, benefit, blessing that is given for us. The mustard seed, smallest of seeds, goes into the ground and grows. Now, I, I don't know how many of you have grown a mustard bush or whatever, uh, but evidently, from what I read, uh, if the conditions are right, in a single year, a mustard seed can grow nine feet tall to be about 10 feet tall and broad in a single year. And the point that Jesus makes here in this parable when he says there's the, tree, the birds will nest in its branches, 
that's an allusion to the vision of Ezekiel or the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has where all of the nations are able to come and enjoy the benefits of the shade, benefits of being part of that kingdom, being part of that tree. And that's the promise that is laden within these parables for us. That yes, the kingdom of God so often is unexpected. It's not what you think. But yes, the kingdom of God ultimately will be victorious and every one of you will benefit from it. Why do you have devotions? Why do you come to worship? Why do you care about the sin that eats away at your life? Why do you desire passionately to serve and to minister to those who are around us that are poor and broken and needy when you know that after you're done they're still going to be poor, broken, and needy? And yet for the believer, these things are overwhelming for us, the desire, the passion to do these, to see the kingdom of God come in its fullness. Why? Because we are promised that there will be a victory. We are promised that there will be a benefit and an outcome. It took me until around 30 years old. I was somewhere in my 30s when I realized, and then I saw this with my own kids, that children spend so much of their lives no idea what's going on. They, they, they don't understand the things that are happening. Why am I supposed to brush my teeth? Why do I have to go to bed at this time? Why do I have to take algebra? Okay? Now, most of us is, realize that there comes a time that the parent knows what they're doing. The parent knows what they're doing, that this is for your benefit that you're brushing your teeth. This is for your benefit that you're going to bed at this particular time. This is for your benefit that you're taking algebra. The parent knows. The child doesn't realize it, doesn't, can't grasp the benefits that are present for us. And yet that's exactly, it is true that we are citizens of the kingdom, and we need to think of ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of God. But it is also true that we are children of the kingdom. We are the children of the kingdom. And God is doing wonderful things. And we don't know what those benefits are. We don't know what he is accomplishing. But by faith, we realize that he is doing something victorious in our lives. And we will benefit from those things. The kingdom of God so often is unexpected. The kingdom of God ultimately is victorious in your life, and the kingdom of God has these benefits that overwhelm each and every one of us. And that's because, fourthly, the kingdom of God is divine work. The kingdom of God is divine work. It's masked a little bit in our English translations, but the lamp comes in. The lamp is brought into the darkness. The lamp comes to shatter the darkness. And the imagery there of the lamp being brought in is a focus not upon the darkness or even upon the lamp. It's a focus on the one who is bringing in the lamp. It is a focus upon God himself. The seed that is scattered throughout the ground, the text makes it real clear. The farmer doesn't know what's going on. But God is the one that is raising up that seed. God is the one that is doing the work so that that seed will turn into this multiple harvest that everybody benefits from. The mustard seed, who 
can look at that. In our modern day, we realize that in the mustard seed is all the DNA that's necessary to turn it into this mustard, big mustard bush and stuff like that. But our sense is how, how has God done any of that? And the point is, it is God who does all of that. And so we have these parables, they set up for us this, this picture of the kingdom of God, and it is supposed to be the way we view the world. How do we understand God's work in the world? We should see it within this way. How do we understand God's work at this church, which is so wonderful and so broken and, and so all of these kind of things? How do we understand God's work at this church? How do we understand God's work in my heart, in your heart? The promise is that the kingdom of God will be happening there in ways that you don't expect. That the kingdom of God will ultimately lead to the victory of Christ in this world, in this church, in your heart. That ultimately, each one of us will benefit greatly. We will be blessed by what the kingdom of God brings into this world by what the kingdom of God does here in this church and what the kingdom of God does there in your heart. Because ultimately, the work of the kingdom of God is God's work, and it's what he is doing. I encourage you, whatever you do this week, if there's this sense of frustration that ever comes upon you at any moment this week about, I'm just not sure that my life is what it's supposed to be, I pray that you will take time and that you will reflect again upon these parables because God is doing a marvelous thing in the kingdom of God that is set up in your heart. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, we do thank you again for blessing us with the presence of your spirit, of your work of love, of the kingdom of God that you have anchored deep within our hearts because the king has come. Lord, we ask for your continued blessing upon us that we might know of your grace and your mercy, that we might know of the continuing blessings of this kingdom, that we might reflect again that the kingdom that is growing around us is divine work. It is your work in and through us. We pray in Christ's name, amen.